Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And as we teased in video three, video four is the Fed pivot. If you can nail the timing of the Fed pivot, you are going to be very, very rich. How are you doing, Mr. Greg Dickerson? Doing great, Michael. Good to see you. Oh, man. So as we kind of teased in video number three, I have uh, probably 60% of my audience believes the Fed's going to pivot this year. Let's define pivot. We're not talking pause. We're talking an all-out rate cut this year. And it shocks me every time I hear it. Um, but I'd love to get your opinion because maybe I'm just missing something. What do, you, what do you think? What do you think the Fed, do you think the Fed could pivot this year and by pivot mean cut this year? No, no. And a lot of people are calling for that by the end yeah. of the year. And it's coming from the news media and, you know, Wall Street. It's coming from the, you know, investment funds out there that need you to keep buying and not pull your money out of the market. That's where this narrative is coming from. Ah, it's it's I survival it. mode. So they're putting these talking points out there, trying to help steer the Fed, you know, all of that. What, they are, what they're missing is the Fed can't, you know, it's not a matter of desire. They just can't, can't. you know, based on where the economy is. Now, could they pull the foot off the gas a little bit and, you know, maybe go from 75 to 50 by the end of the year? Sure. But can they stop or, you know, reverse? Absolutely not. Unless there's some huge, you know, meltdown in the markets. And that's why markets are orderly, you know, declining there. This is an orderly decline. This is a deleveraging repricing in a very order, orderly systematic type process because the markets know the investors know that, you know, if they let it get out of control, the Fed can't step in. Yeah. So you said one thing when we opened, if you can time the Fed pivot, you know, that's that's when it's game on. And that'll be easy to time inflation. All you have to do is watch inflation. You get inflation start to come back down significantly and more more in line with that two to four percent range. That's when the Fed can stop. And then, you know, the pivot comes in. And the other thing is, like I said, if you get a major meltdown in the markets, they don't care about housing. Housing can crash. Fed's not going to do anything there uh, because it's healthy. It'll be healthy. It's just pricing. Uh, you know, uh, there's not going to be a systemic banking failure like there was in 0809. So the Fed doesn't care about values in housing. The markets are different. If the markets really start to, you know, crack and you're down 50% rapidly, mm -hmm. they might start paying attention. But as long as we're dropping 5 or 10%, you know, every few weeks as the yeah. CPI comes out, the Fed, you know, raises rates and the market, you know, steps ahead of that and mm -hmm. continues to kind of unwind and plateau. I mean, we could be down 30, 40%. The Fed's not going to do anything as long I as agree. it's orderly and systematic like it has been. You drop 30% today or tomorrow based on some event like, you know, World War Three or something, mm. then they might step in and, you know, yeah. I don't know what they can do. You know, they can't, they can't reverse course on rates because they've got inflation. They have to control inflation. So the question is, if you had a meltdown in the markets, which would trigger the Fed's action or credit markets or something like that, what would they do? I think they would step in at that point and prop up sectors versus interest rate policy. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think you know if if a black swan event comes in and we still have inflation north of eight percent, it won't be rates. It'll be it'll be something they did last time. They started buying corporate bonds. They yeah. would come in and buy corporates or index funds. Or I mean, that would that they might just buy stocks. Who knows? Yeah, it'll be index yeah. funds. But yeah, 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 to keep it propped up. So I, it'd be interesting. You know, they can they can prop markets without you know messing with interest rates and things like that. And you know, it's really interesting, but you know, it's really, it's really funny to watch and interesting to watch people. Like you said, how many people think the Fed's going to pivot, you know, here in the next, by the end of the year. I mean, yeah. you know, 
just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense because inflation hasn't stopped yet. It hasn't plateaued, but again, that's a topic, talking point. So let's go back to talking points so that you can see how this plays out. The biggest talking point, we were at the end of the year talking about inflation, talking about the Fed having to you know, uh, stop what they were doing. And that's where we called the peak of the markets, right? Mm -hmm. End of the year. And then all of a sudden, the war in Ukraine started coming up. You remember you and I did a video where I said, man, if Russia invades and people are like, ah, Russia's not going to invade, Russia's not going to invade. I remember. Same thing. The bulk of the population didn't think Russia was going to invade and there was going to be a war. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This is getting ready to happen. Yeah. You know, and we saw the results of that and things. And then, you know, we said, you know, inflation has not plateaued. Everybody was saying inflation's plateaued. Inflation's peaked. We're, you and I are like, it hadn't peaked. Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. And then recession. Everybody's saying there's no recession. Recession's not coming to, you know, talking points, right? And we're like, mm -hmm. hey, we're already in a recession. We've been in one since January, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, so it's just talking points coming out of, uh, you know, economists, investment analysts, the government, you know, academics, you know, things like that from that world where they're not tapped in and in touch with reality of what's going on out on the streets where you and I are doing deals, talking to people, yeah. seeing what's going on. You know, that's yeah. where the real data is that they don't measure. I think it's really funny because you just said something at the opening of this that was like a huge aha for me. I know it, but you said it in a way that I'm like, exactly what they're doing. So again, I'll just use Kathy Wood because I think she's the greatest example, but it, it's, let's be clear, it's not only Kathy. Kathy runs an ETF. And the last thing she wants to do is see redemptions because that would start a negative death spiral, right? She already owns a large percent of some very illiquid stocks. And if she's suddenly becomes a forced seller because of liquidations, it just becomes a self-filling prophecy. So she has motivation to say things that logically don't make sense. So A, she gets new money. She had $160 million like last week or something. Um, people are still buying into her ETF because of deflation and this and that. But she is incented to tell a story that basically says, hold on tight. The, I mean, like three weeks ago, she said the Fed's going to pivot in July. And I did a reaction video. I'm like, are you freaking nuts? How the hell can it's not even peaked yet? What are you doing? But now it makes total well, sense. She's trying to keep so the party going. Top redemptions, you know, and why? Because she gets 2% assets under management. That's how she makes her money. So exactly. you got to keep the money coming in. You got to keep everybody in. Oh, I got a 10 year horizon. I got it. It was five years. Now it's 10 years, you know? And uh, so, you know, these narratives change as the market changes. And again, what we just say, you know, if you go from the peak 0809, it took 15 years to get back, 15. Yeah. So if you bought here, it took you 15 just to get even. Now, granted, it, you know, it almost doubled from there. So, you know, there was some upside from the peak 0809. But, um, you know, that five-year hodl, you know, 10-year hodl, it doesn't always work depending on your entry, you know, where you got in. And especially if the Fed is out of the game and we don't get liquidity like we've known it before. And that could be something nobody's really talking about. But what if the Fed can never do what they've done and they're out and things change, government policy changes, and you know, we're no longer, you know, injecting capital into the markets. We're no longer, you know, doing the things that they've done to prop markets up and to pump that kind of liquidity in the markets. What if that never happens again? Yeah. Then where do values go and, and what do they do from there? You know, and because that trickles through to what drove the values in the first place, you know, it was these SPACs and these IPOs and, you know, equity funds, you know, selling to other equity funds and just driving multiples up as you go along where your, your you know, companies are trading at 60 times, you know, future potential pro forma earnings that probably will never happen. 
you know, uh, just because you could borrow the money for free to do it. You know, so with that coming out of the system and without being able to do that ever again or anymore, where do value, values really land? And I'll tell you, there was a very interesting conversation all in podcast. We talked about yeah. that before where they were talking about this very thing in terms of, you know, this new paradigm that we're in, you know, of, of equity capital and things like that, that it's a new regime. Those days are gone, you know, and that's what the Kathy Woods of the world are trying to reckon with, with you know, she knows it but she's not going to face it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, until not in her best interest to, to talk about it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, the fed's got to the fed again, the, the fed put uh, all of these talks about the fed's going to reverse are all really based on the fact that inflation has been for the last 40 years under 2% for most of that time. Yeah. So the fed had more flexibility. You can't do that when CPI is point whatever it was, six. You can't do that when CPI is seven. You can't do that when CPI is six, right? We, we've got a long way to go. This is, this is not going to be over. And I actually think CPI, I actually think peak inflation is one of the next three months. Yeah. I don't think 8.6 is going to be the high watermark. Yeah. A lot of people think 10%. We're going to see double Ooh. digits, you know, before wow. it's done, you know, we'll see, wow. but that's and that's that's how you know what the Fed's going to do is because of the way this has been handled. So what happens is, uh, you know, let's let's look at what where we've been and where we're going. So mm -hmm. inflation print comes out. So the Fed has their meeting. They've done what they've done before. And they say, we're going to watch the data. Da, 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 da. Inflation comes out, came out hot. So what happens? Right. Fed immediately leaks out that they're going to go to 75 from the 50 that they were talking about. They immediately send that out. They'll leak it. They just put it out so that. Mm -hmm. The markets can unwind, investors can get prepared. So they meet, they raise the rate, markets bounce because the Fed did what it said it's going to do. And then it's like, uh oh, wait a minute, the Fed yeah. raised the rate, then bam, <laughs> you know, it, it continues on. And then the market plateaus, things plateau, waiting for the next CPI print to see how the Fed's going to respond. The Fed's going to put out their move early. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this time, if CPI comes in lower, markets are going to have a nice little rally on that. But then the Fed's still going to do what they're going to do because it's still too high. So bam, it'll be off a cliff. If inflation print comes out hot, markets are going to drop as immediately when it comes out hot. Mm -hmm. And then the Fed's going to tell telegraph what they're going to do so the markets can prepare. And then you'll have a bounce on the day of the action. And then it'll continue to drop a little bit afterwards and then level off waiting for the next CPI. Mm -hmm. That's where we're at because yeah. that is your demand indicator of where the economy is going from a growth standpoint. So that's your recession mm. indicator, telegraph, you know, baked in move. And everybody says, oh, recession's priced in, interest rates priced in. No, it's pricing it in on levels as we go along. How can you price in a recession that hasn't happened yet? Yeah. You know, you don't know where it's going. So, so the market, and that's the other narrative, you know, oh, it's all priced in. Well, then why does it keep dropping each week? You know, because it's pricing incrementally as we go along based on what the Fed's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so I think the Fed meeting is the, when is the Fed meeting? Uh, 13th. 13th. No, inflation's the 13th. The meeting's like 26th. Yeah. The 20, it's after the Fed meeting. Yeah. So yeah. the 13th is when the next inflation report comes out. So that's next week. Okay. And then the following week, the Fed meets. Got it. This week coming up, we have the Fed minutes, which, you know, we already know what all that is. And, yeah. you know, markets might move a little bit on something, but yeah. Um, I yeah, think we're me, just going to steadily, unless something happens, we're just going to continue doing what we're doing steadily kind of working our way towards that CPI print. And that's the key. And, you know, uh, the telegraphing, 
you know, and expectations of that are already, it's going to be hotter than it was and it should be, you know, yeah. the last one. Yeah. The biggest number this week is actually going to be the June jobs number, which comes out Friday. Expectations is 250,000 jobs. And this is again, back to, I think video one or two, um, it's actually why I think well, even if we have two negative quarters of GDP, they won't call it a recession like 1947, because I think this will be a positive job growth. And I can't see the economists who call this calling recession when you had six months of positive job growth. We, we may, I, I think if it comes in at like 200,000, we might have had 1.5 million jobs added in the first half. That's not a recession. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, where did they come from? reopening you know yeah. so it's not like the economy is growing creating all these new jobs it's just reopening and you know it's a, it's a balance and then you have people leaving the workforce and mm -hmm. you got jolts coming out which kind of yeah you know, balances. so you know the job market's a very misleading thing right now because of where we've come from and where we're going and i mean that's the other thing too you know china's reopening and you know there's a ton of inventory being freed up and headed this way you know that's going nowhere you know that's uh, going to lead to more you know, of that, you know, inventory inflationary pressure put on the supply, you know, system out there and Walmart and Target and companies like that that ordered whatever they ordered that yeah. they have to receive now that they no longer need. No, I so totally there's going to be some sale events coming up, everybody. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to shop for Christmas, you might have a chance in uh, July and August. Go, go, go do your early Christmas shop. Oh yeah. They're going to be wiping out inventories and, you know, and that's the other thing. So from an economic standpoint of expectations of growth and spending and all that, People are taking their vacation. There's, you know, there was cabin fever from the pandemic, you know, travel fatigue. So people are out, they're traveling, they're taking their vacations. They're going to spend some money now. Uh, but, you know, credit balances are rising, savings are declining. So we're going to see, you know, everybody's going to do their thing this summer. But, you know, once we get into August, September, I think you're going to see the consumer really start to pull back and start paying down credit, you know, building up reserves and getting ready, um, you know, for, you know, what's coming by the end of the year, because then, you know, you have holidays and tax season and all that coming again. So, you know, I think some of these, you know, consumer spending and things like that might be a little, you know, uh, skewed and interesting during the summer months here. So, you know, we'll see, see how it plays out. Yeah. So for me, I don't see how the, I, I, I think the, there's four Fed meetings left. I believe the Fed raises rates at all four meetings, somewhere between a quarter and 75 at all four meetings. I think the first pause meaning zero move sometime in Q1 of next year. And I can't see rates being cut best case until the second half of next year. I just, I don't see how the dominoes line up. What do, what do you think of all that? Yeah. Yeah. I think next year. So yeah, they could probably potentially slow down a little bit, you know, in terms of, you know, instead of doing 75 or hundred, they're doing 50 or maybe, maybe 25 by the end of the year, if inflation really comes down, I just, just hard to imagine six months that that could happen, but it could, could. Uh, you know, who knows what the, what the numbers will come out and look like, but I, you know, I'm not seeing inflation subside or, or, you know, plateau or anything like that right now. It's still going up. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, Q3, Q4 next year, if they're able to slow down and stop, they might be able to, to do something, but I just don't think they're going to pivot. I mean, there's, you know, they got to get inflation under control. So, I mean, the question is, do you see inflation down into the under 4% by the end of next year. Uh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, not very confident. That's a very weak. I mean, that's maybe. your key right there. They have to get inflation down. They're not going to stop or pivot until they get inflation down, period. Unless something really bad happens and then Breaks. they can take different action and continue to, you know, stay on course with fighting inflation. I think, I think that call was a genius move. I think, again, I think let's say 
I think your example was World War III or some other exogenous events. I don't think it's rate that changes this time. I think it's the other things that they tested last time that come in, right? They'll buy bonds first of the biggest and the best. Then they'll buy ETFs or index funds. That's what they're going to do. Because again, when you have 7% inflation, that's, that's job number one, stable prices. You don't have yeah. stable prices at 7%. Just- yeah, that'll do more destruction than anything else. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Greg, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for the hour on July 4th. Where can people find you? Yeah, gregdickerson.com. Go check it out. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you.